You're listening to Bad Gamers Anonymous, a podcast dedicated to helping gamers not suck. Our two-step programs of Sack Up and Get Good will help even the worst of gamers just be bad. We review the latest video game titles, cover the latest news, and discuss issues that affect gamers. Here are your hosts of Bad Gamers Anonymous, Bad Gamer Jason, and Bad Gamer Joe. Get good, scrubs. And welcome to Bad Gamers Anonymous. This is episode 90, E3 Recap and Warhammer Chaos Bane Review. I am your host, Joe. Joining me this week, as always, is Jason. Jason, how's it going? It's going good. How's your week? Not too bad, man. I got my best friend's wedding this week, so I am still trying my best to recover. <laughs> well, good luck with that. Stay hydrated. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I guess I shouldn't say every week because due to some horrific hardware failures, we missed a week. Yeah, yeah. And it was hardware failures on both our sides. Both so. sides, yeah. Uh, so we apologize for that. We really try not to, but we had absolutely no luck on our side at all last week. What have you guys been up to over at Sadis? Uh, we just wrapped up recording our coverage for Short Circuit 2. Um, so that releases this week. Uh, it was a pretty fun episode. The movie's not great, but it was it was fun punching down on that. Uh, next week, we are going to start our coverage on Season 1 of Man in the High Castle. So we're all, all looking forward to that. We'll do the first two episodes of Season 1 starting next week. That all sounds great. I like Short Circuit. I like Man in the High Castle. I think those are going to be fun. Oh, Man in the High Castle is an excellent series. If you if you haven't seen it, I encourage you to go out and, and watch that. I'm like a whole season behind, but I'll get caught up. So in the meantime, what else have you been playing? Um, I've been playing, of course, every day. The Simpsons tapped out. Of um, course. Played. I installed and played some Magic the Gathering Arena so that I could uh, play some Magic with my kids. It's, uh, it's actually a pretty decent um, online offering for playing magic uh they don't have all of the deck sets out there they've only got the most recent deck sets but uh it looks good it plays pretty good and uh, i'm enjoying it so far and then with e3 uh xbox announced that new dlc for state of decay 2 came out and so i've been playing the heck out of that with uh one of the co-hosts on status with rob so Rob and I have been playing that for the last couple of weeks. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a good time. What is what is the Heartland DLC? I know I saw the the press conference, but I don't remember it at all. So the Heartland DLC is a it, it's kind of a campaign, more of a campaign like uh, offering or DLC for State of Decay Two. Uh, there's a more linear story than what you get in the vanilla State of Decay Two, whereas in the regular state of decay 2 you're you're playing as a as a collective trying to survive the zombie apocalypse and all the characters that you recruit have individual stories that you can play through and then there's an overall goal of you know killing all the plague hearts and then uh building your legacy and then you move on to the next map with this one there's there's more of a narrative involved uh you you start out with a predetermined two characters uh, you have two choices. There's a police officer and a uh, an ex-con, and then there's this daughter looking for uh, her estranged father and her aunt that's accompanying her. So you pick one of those two sets, you work through their storyline, 
Um, you gather up survivors just like you did on the other game, and you build a base. Nice. It sounds like that sounds good. Sounds like fun. It is fun. We've we've been enjoying the heck out of it. I played some uh, Mario Kart World Tour, which is the was the closed beta for the new Nintendo Mobile Mario Kart. Games got a lot of potential. They need to really address the control scheme. Uh, it feels sloppy. It feels it's hard to hit jumps because you don't have that fine a control over right. your over your cart. Uh, if they can get that dialed in a little bit better, I think it'll be a really fun game. Uh, I played some more of that new Dead Cells expansion. That thing is wicked good. I've already talked about it. I really like that a lot. Uh, I picked up and played just a tiny bit because I had wedding things to do. Uh, I played a little <laughs> bit of Cadence of Hyrule, uh, and that is fun. I don't know how aware you are of what that is. No, um, what is Cadence of Hyrule? I've, so, I've heard of it, but I, I didn't look into it any deeper. It is a typical 2D top-down Zelda game, right? So you... Same thing, world exploring, page scrolling kind of adventure. You have the dungeons to go get, work your way through, and you unlock the things you need to get through different dungeons, and you work way up in the ultimate goal of saving the world, kind of like all Zelda's, you know, new story. But it has a new feature. So when you're out in the world, all the music in the background is typical Zelda music. You all know what Zelda music sounds like. It's all that. When you get into combat scenarios or when there is enemies on screen, depending on the, the zone you're in, you get this heavily genre remixed song. So like a heavy metal version or an electronic version of a Zelda song. And they're all really high production quality. And then you get combo bonuses that help do more damage or more give you higher chance to find better items on drops, whatnot from killing enemies by moving and attacking on the beat. So you have a little, a, a, like rhythm game bar across the bottom with a target and you move an attack on the beat of the music uh, and you, as long as you don't miss a beat, you your combo bonus moves up. So it's Dance Dance Legend of Zelda. It's a rhythm game in combat, yeah. It's Legend of Zelda. It's a full like Zelda game with a rhythm component during combat. And the music is awesome. The, uh, the remix music is all really good. That sounds cool. I'll have to check out the music. Some of it's kind of corny because you get into a genre that you don't necessarily like, don't know, depending on the zone you're in, because the remix music does change depending on the zone. So you like when you're in dungeons, you get more like heavy metal. When you're uh, in the sandy beachy areas, you get kind of tropical remixed music. And some of it is kind of silly sounding, but it's all really high quality. It all really fits. <laughs> it all fits the environment. It's purposefully attached to where you are. And that's that's pretty great. Uh, cool. And I, I also played to Warhammer Chaos Bane, and I'll complain about that later. I <laughs> complain about that. Awesome. So this week was a big week. Actually, the last week and a half were a big week was a big week. Uh, we had E3 and all the press conferences leading up, all the big announcements, the games, the reveals, the release dates, uh, all the Keanu Reeves we can take. Actually, there's no such thing as too much Keanu Reeves. Yeah, uh, I don't think that's a thing. Yeah, there's not. Uh, we got a little more Keanu Reeves to help us get through our lives. Uh but yeah, so we have we're gonna do a quick run through and and try to just touch on the things that we thought were the best or most exciting for us because there's way too much to talk about it all. Oh yeah, so, there was uh, tons. We're gonna do a quick stop first at the Xbox thing. Uh, there was a lot of stuff for the Xbox. That was a relatively packed press conference. Yeah, so like a, a week ago, last Sunday, um, Xbox had their big 
E3 press conference, and they just they released a ton of information uh, that included uh, their Xbox Game Pass. They're they're creating a, a Game Pass for PC. It's actually out already in beta. Uh, you can sign up for that, and uh, they also have a package that includes their regular Game Pass for console, their Game Pass for PC, and Xbox Gold all in one for fifteen dollars a month. However, you can Sign up for that right now for $1 for the first month. And any gold, now I don't I don't know how long this is going to last. So as of recording, any gold or current Game Pass subscription that you have uh, for the future will convert over into this Ultimate Game Pass uh, for a one-to-one ratio. So if you have six months of gold left on your subscription, you sign up for this, you'll have six six months of uh, game pass or yeah game pass ultimate uh to to move forward and then it'll be fifteen dollars a month after that so like you said uh previous episode they really did need to consolidate their offering because it was going to be this messy kind of grid matrix type thing to figure out what you wanted and and how and so i think they've done a good do- good job of of consolidating their offerings yeah they really did they really cut it down basically to three options you know, they, for the most part, three main uh, choices to have. And that really helps simplify things for you know, parents who don't know what they're looking at, who just need to get their kids to shut up or whatever. Right, right. Um, they also announced that they bought Double Fine Studios. So that's the maker of Psychonauts and currently developing Psychonauts 2, uh, which hasn't come out yet, which I am a Kickstarter backer, or actually it's on FIG. I'm a fig backer of, uh, hopefully that comes out this year. Uh, they kind of hinted that it was supposed to come out this year. Double Fine is not known for being on time or quick about developing any of their games. So maybe Microsoft will help them get on time. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe I, some some better leadership and some more money will help with that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, they, they announced Project Scarlet. So the next Xbox console, they gave some brief reveals on what type of hardware is going to be in there. Uh, not a whole lot that we didn't already know. We already knew that uh, the, the hardware is going to comprise of AMD hardware. Um, they are going to have some next generation uh, GDDR6 uh, memory as well as a much faster SSD that they're going to treat as virtual RAM. So we got a good brief look at some of the, uh, some of the improvements that they're making on the next generation console. I still wish uh, they would have given us something we didn't know. Anything we didn't know going in that would have been, even if it was just a name or something, to create a bunch of buzz. You know, they came out, the Sony kind of jumped in front of them with that Wired article that doesn't necessarily put, you know, I'm not saying it puts them above. It didn't, the hardware didn't really differentiate between the two of them. They seem like they're going to be kind of in the same general area. There's still details, right. you know. Uh, I just think like one thing, one thing that would have been a surprise or, or a one thing extra that could have could have generated a bunch of excitement. I think would have been a nice addition. It still it was still like a, a good reveal. It was still informative. I just would have liked one thing. Well, and they're also they're also a year and a half out, so it's I know it's not, there are ways it's, out. It's, yeah, it's, 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 t- it's it not been tough expected to, come up to release until holiday of twenty twenty. Um, and one of the things that they did say is that it's going to have backwards compatibility with all the previous generations all the way back to Xbox. Now, they didn't say that in the actual press release, but they did release those details later um, in uh, 
uh, I guess in a press release uh, after after their conference. They didn't they didn't mention it in the conference, but they did mention it in a press release. So they also mentioned that the current Xbox One console is going to be updated to provide streaming capabilities for games that are on that console. Um, as well as gave some uh, some information on their current uh, xCloud offering. That will come out in beta around October, which yep. is around the same time the Stadia is supposed to release, too. So yeah. xCloud's coming out in beta. You're going to be able to stream your Xbox games straight off of your console. So if you've got the internet bandwidth to do that, uh, that's kind of exciting. Yeah, no, so I saw an interview with Phil Spencer talking about xCloud, and I think it... He did a good job of putting the emphasis on the two. I mean, he talked specifically about Stadia and xCloud and what the difference was. And he points out that they're targeting two different needs. And to him, xCloud is a convenience thing where it is a thing where you can bring an option to play your game somewhere else, but it is not meant to be a high fidelity thing. They're talking like 720 most of the time. It's not a bad thing. He wants better performance and he wants you to be able to access your games wherever, whenever, from your Xbox or from the cloud, whatever works best for you at that time. And whereas he target says, you know, Stadia is targeting a higher fidelity experience, probably, he didn't say, but it sounded like probably more expensive. And also he seems skeptical of Stadia's ability to deliver the experience there hoping for he didn't crumb right out and say that but he mentioned the he mentioned that he thinks we're a a few years away from being able to deliver that kind of experience the way well i think we're gonna find out in about four months we're gonna find out but he did i did appreciate the way he differentiated what they're targeting right they're not really they're sort they're both streaming services but they're not directly competing for the same mind space Right, and I think I kind of like the idea of being able to stream the games that I already own or that I have access to on Game Pass rather than having to buy more games on yet another platform. So I do like that aspect. If, I, if I'm if i on the road, which I am often uh, right now, I can patch into my Xbox if I've got the bandwidth uh, wherever I'm at and start playing a game instead of, you know, having to wait until I get home and on the weekend. So if I've got I'm some downtime while I'm on the road, I can just patch into my Xbox and play. I'll be curious to see how well that works from your Xbox. And, you know, I can see from working from a, a close server farm where you'd have lower latency would be all right. I could see if you've traveled quite a way and you're trying to connect to your Xbox from a quarter of the way across the country or something where that might be a rougher experience. Uh, I think it, I think it's going to depend on how many bounces you have between you and your Xbox, but I, st- I still don't think that the latency is going to be that bad because I patch into game servers that are all the way across the country uh, now, and the latency is still you know sub one hundred milliseconds. So you're still playing locally and then sending that information across. You're not sending back and forth your controls and whatnot. That's true, but but latency is different than bandwidth. So those are those are two different things. If you got the bandwidth right, you're to, still at you're still adding an extra an extra step in between what you see and what you do when you're doing it from if you're if you are streaming what you're seeing and what you're doing both, you're adding an extra step of latency. Whereas if you're playing locally and just sending 
your inputs out. Well, no, no, that that's my point is latency is different than bandwidth. So if you've got the bandwidth to push the graphics to your console or from your console to whatever mobile device that you're using, that's different than the latency, the talk between your device and your mobile device. Right, but if you're streaming the gameplay and the controls, you're getting latency from when it happens to when you see it on the video, and then you're getting latency from when you see it to when you send those controls out. So you're getting latency on the way into the visuals and on the way out from the controls. Whereas if you're playing locally, you're only getting the latency on the way from the from the controls out. But you have latency on any mobile game or any any remote game. Any any game that you play online, you're going to have latency. That's right. what I'm trying just, to say. The latency I, I, is not going to be any different. I understand if you're streaming that. From... But you're getting you're getting latency if you're streaming the game. If the game is not happening locally, you're streaming the the uh, from an instance across the country. It plays the 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 instance across the country, renders the graphics, and then streams them to you. There is latency from when over that. It's happening there, and you're seeing the graphics happen whatever time later after you've after it's streamed to you. Then you are reacting to what you've seen and inputting a control, which the control then streams back to the instance where there's latency on that trip out. Whereas if you are playing locally, the graphics are rendered right in front of you, and the only latency is when your control's out to the multiplayer game. No, you still have latency from when you input the controls to the console. Right, but you don't have latency from when the console renders it to when you see it. Sure you do. Not like when you're streaming it from across the country. Why? It, so it, your console is not actually pushing the graphics at that point. It's just pushing JPEGs. It's pushing a stream of JPEGs. Right, that's my point. Your console, if you're not streaming, if you're playing locally, your console renders the graphics and shows them to you right away. You get the you get the screen latency of whatever your display is, but it's happening right at your local machine. Right? And if you are streaming the game from a machine that's across the country, the latency from the machine that you're playing on to when you see it on your display is not the same as if you are streaming it, if you, if you are playing it from a machine that's sitting on your desk. Yeah, I think we're talking two different languages here. I, I still don't understand what you're saying. The latency is the same. The latency How? is the time from that information getting from one point to another. Correct. So if the if if I have an Xbox hooked up to a TV in my living room, and I'm playing on that Xbox, the Xbox renders the graphics. Correct. Uh huh. And then it puts it through the HDMI cable to the TV. Okay. And then I see it on the TV. Okay? The latency from the Xbox to when I see it on the TV is just that input latency, a couple of milliseconds maybe. Yep. Okay. If that Xbox is now all of a sudden in California and I'm still here, that Xbox renders the video and then sends it so that I can see it across the country to me where then it goes to my TV. The latency from that remote Xbox to my screen is not the same as the one that is in my living room. Because it's not going over the internet to my TV. It's going over an HDMI cable. So I'm adding latency in the video side as well because it renders it and sends it. And from the, in the time that it goes from where it is physically to where I am physically, there is added latency. And you get that same latency on any online game that you play. That's, what, that's my whole point. If you're playing Street Fighter across the internet against somebody, you get that same exact latency. The controls that you send over the internet have the same exact latency as if you were, you know, playing. You're right. 
you're right. XCloud will be totally perfect. There'll be no latency at all coming from an <laughs> Xbox. Totally. There'll be no latency at all. You're right. You know, yep. Set that Xbox up. Set that Xbox up in California and play it in Tokyo. No problem. You want to go on the, the Elite controller now? Uh, yeah. They, uh, they've updated their Elite controller. Uh, looks pretty cool. Um, some quality of life improvements as far as grip. Uh, and uh, you can actually adjust the feel of the D-pad on the uh on the a new elite controller so they've they've got some adjustments that you can make um and they've they they showcased a ton of games in this uh in this new or in this conference that they yeah they had a ton of games i wouldn't say that most of them were exciting though there was a few that were exciting but there was a lot of the games that were to me anyway that were just there how I mean, so? it was a good. I mean, there was a good show, but there was a lot of games I'm not, I'm not interested in playing at all. Like, I'm not going to play Gears Pop. Well, no. I mean, there's there's not a ton of games that there's maybe a handful of games that I'm really excited about. There's several games that you know I'm I'm definitely interested in, and then there's several games that I could care less about. But yeah, well, that's all I'm saying. Like Battletoads does not. I'm not interested. I'm not really interested in the Blair Witch thing. But there were definitely games that I was interested in. I'm just there was a lot of games there. I wouldn't say they were all home runs. No, no, there's not. Um, but I mean, there's like 20 games here that they revealed in this one press conference. Yeah, no, I know. I I think that of the 20 though, there's probably four that I'm like excited for. Uh, there's probably yeah, there's probably four that I'm definitely going to play that I'm really excited for. There's probably another four or five that I'm certainly interested in. Yeah, so that's what we're on the same page. I mean, that's that's it's a good. It was a good. It was a good announce. It just wasn't wasn't like it was twenty home runs. You know, it could have been. It wasn't amazing, but it was definitely a good announcement. There's definitely some games here I'm looking forward to playing. I thought it was hilarious that they're bringing Fantasy Star Online two here after. I don't even know when that game came out. What twenty twelve, thirteen, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a little older. I mean, people have been asking for it for a long time, and they kept saying it was going to come here, and it never made it. So I'm, you know, I'm sure there are a group, big group of people who are excited about that. Uh, the Outer Worlds look cool. I was I was kind of I was into that. Um, I never played Wastelands, but I mean, it seems like there's a lot of games that are getting ready to eat Fallout's lunch because Fallout sure hell didn't do it. Right. And Jedi Fallen Order, they showed some more uh, information on that. Yes, they did. Um, I think this looks really cool. There was some concern. The, the demo, I don't think the demo did a great job with telling you what the game really was. They clarified some of that afterwards. There was some concern with how that game would be structured. Um, I know you were worried about it being super on rails. Um, but it looks pretty cool. Yeah, the gameplay that they showed uh, at E3... The, the gameplay, I guess it was the level that they played. It, it, it seemed very linear, that level. It did. Uh, it didn't seem like you had a lot of options on where you got to go or what you had to do. Um, and, you know, they, they did make some adjustments as, as far as uh, some of the uh, force, I guess the force power recharge, they upped that just so that they could show more force powers for the demo. Um, I think they probably scaled down some of the damage that the the character took because he got hit a lot and the the health bar yeah. didn't go down. So it wasn't a true gameplay demo, but it did show a lot of the capabilities of the game. 
uh, and it, but it did look linear. It didn't look like you had a, a lot of choices on, on how you move through the level or what you could do throughout the level. You could take different paths maybe. But, and, and they clarified they clarified afterwards that you were going to have a ship and a crew that you could level and and modify and that you could get in that and and travel to any number of star systems in the game at any point during the game to acquire things you needed or do side quests and stuff and that is nothing that they even sort of hinted at in that demo um which I would I would have liked to have seen some of that in the demo but I do I do like to know that I can explore and kind of do a what I want when I want in this. I think that'll make a big difference in what this game is. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, that, that information afterward where it's, it's more of an open world style. You have a ship, you can travel where you want. Um, It's kind of a base that you level up. You have different characters that you get to, uh, I guess, level up to. Although it didn't really show that you had any companions that you got to take with you on missions. So I'm still kind of Wondering I, what I think extent you have on, will, on character level up there. But. Yeah, I think the crew will probably be limited to the ship. I imagine it's probably right. I guess I don't know. They don't, didn't show us, so I'm just assuming here, and assuming is a good way to be wrong. Yeah, so. I mean, this this game is only what five months out, and we still yep. don't have a lot of information on it. That still kind of worries me. I don't. I don't know if there's. I need to be worried or if they are just not trying to show off this whole entire game before it hits. Uh, they did comment on all of the concerns that it's going to be a short campaign like uh, Battlefront and said that no one will think this is a short game. This is not a short game. It's not going to be a short game. Not to worry. Um, they didn't give an hours on it, but... Okay, but I mean, I I'm still kind of suspect when somebody says, ah, don't worry about it, and then doesn't give me any reason not to worry about it. Well, they haven't given us any real reason to worry about it either. Except for EA's whole track record? Yeah, but this isn't EA. I mean, this is they are working for EA. EA bought them, but this is a Respawn joint. And Respawn has not, has not screwed anybody over. Yeah, yet. but they also haven't built a game like this yet either. No, they haven't. But they've been on this for a while, and I... Innocent until proven guilty. All right, I, I, that's how I feel about this. <laughs> okay, you know, EA enough. hasn't EA hasn't done anything horrible, or uh, Respawn hasn't done anything horrible to its players, and has seemed to put players first and uh, support their games and stand by them. Uh, I realize this is like going to be their first, or Apex Legends actually technically is, but this will be their first big game since being bought by EA. But they haven't wronged us yet. And I don't want to condemn them because EA bought them unless they screw us over. And then we can condemn them later. And I'll be happy to do it when it happens, if it happens. Fair enough. What else did you like for me, Theory? Uh, I liked I liked the Stadia announcement. I, it was not the, the subscription model I thought we were going to get, but it was also better than I was worried about. I remember we talked, you know, when they first came out, there was some discussion and some leaks that maybe this is going to be a pay by the hour to play thing. Mm-hmm. And we were both really concerned about that because that would be a terrible model. And that's not what we're getting. Um, they could still let some details out some more. So you're paying, it's kind of more of an audible situation where you are paying a subscription and you are getting some free games and you were getting discounts on the rest of them. Right. Uh, they were not clear about how big the discount was. The website says, uh, 
substantial or something to that nature. Uh, I cannot remember the exact word, but that's not a number. That's not a percentage. So I don't know what we're looking at for discounts. Hopefully it's enough to make this seem great, but they are offering a freeze tier that'll come in January ish. And that will be full price games, but it is also free to use. So uh, they have the founders bundle controller, which I believe we both pre-ordered. I did. Yeah. So, I mean, that was just kind of a no brainer. I liked the, I liked the controller. It's a Bluetooth controller, so you can uh, use it in other applications, not just the, the Stadia application. It also comes with a Chromecast. So, I mean, just the cost of the controller and the Chromecast alone at $130 was, you know, a discount on both of that hardware. And then you get three months of the Stadia subscription service, uh, basically free on top of that. Plus, um, you can you can give away like uh, a trial to a buddy, yeah, uh, for, trial. for Stadia. So yeah, it was it was a good deal. I wanted to jump on that, and I liked the way the controller looked. Uh, so yeah, that was a no brainer. They um they had Doom Eternal, which is another game we're going to talk about here, uh, on the show floor running on Stadia from a not from a remote uh, Google server farm, not from a data center at the convention center. It was outside of LA uh, at 1080p 60 on a Chromebook and they're letting people play that with the Stadia controller. And the response has been very positive. Everybody's saying little to no noticeable input lag felt very tight. Uh, And that's for those Doom games are fast. So if admittedly it was 1080 60 and not their full 4K 60 claim, which I'm sure makes a difference. Right. Uh, but but it's still impressive. Uh, I'm still hopeful we will see what this thing looks like very soon. Um, and on on Doom Eternal, I I'm very excited for Doom Eternal. Uh, I love I loved that last Doom that came out 2016 that reboot. Uh, I don't know if you played that or not, but not it was yet, real no. good. It was real good. It's real dumb, real fast violence. It felt great. It felt like a, an id game. You know, everything is moving a little too fast. Everything's a little too hectic, and the shooting felt great. Uh, I'm excited for this. This has got a bunch of additional mobility kind of things brought into it, uh, and it's more Doom. It it looks good. I'm excited for that. And Yeah, I saw some gameplay on Doom Eternal, um, and yeah, it looks frantic just like every other doom game out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely got that doom feel where you just, you're running and gunning and dodging and getting shot and there's all sorts of stuff all around you. And yeah, it's super hectic. We got a better look at cyberpunk 2077 and Keanu Reeves. And I'm wicked excited for that. Yeah. This actually looks really good. I'm kind of excited about this. I wasn't, I mean the, the, the cyberpunk series, I'm just not, a super fan of that, but with Keanu Reeves in there, yeah, yeah, and I liked like the the bait and switch, right? So we got like that gameplay ish trailer last year at E three, where they kind of focused on these two guys, and in this trailer, they killed one of them off in like the first fifteen seconds of the trailer, <laughs> right. and I was like, well, what, well, what is going on? I thought this was about these two guys. Why are they showing us this big story beat? And then it cuts, you know, a couple of a minute or two later in the trailer. The, the the surviving guy is kind of rebooting, laying on the ground, and somebody tells him they have a city to burn, and he bends down and takes his sunglasses off, and it's Keanu Reeves, right. and now I'm all in. I'm yep. all in. So 
it looks great. I'm I'm excited for this. I I have a fondness for that dystopian future kind of thing. So, you know, I'm pumped about the environment too. Yeah, so I mean, I it's, it's definitely got that Blade Runner feel. It looks a lot like uh, Deus Ex. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's cyberpunk through and through. Uh, another dystopian future, and kind of my last big thing for E3. Uh, is Watch Dogs Legion. Now, I liked the first Watch Dogs. I never even played the second one, and I would not be excited about this game, really, except for this. I don't know if you watched this. This play-as-anybody kind of function of this game seems super interesting. Did did you catch how that works? No, I didn't catch how that works. I I briefly read about it, but I didn't see any gameplay on that. You can target any NPC in the entire open, open world game. Anyone, a taxi driver, a guy walking down the street, and you can pull up intel on them on your phone, and it'll it'll give you an indication of what where their weakness is at. Then you can target that weakness and recruit them to join your cause, any one of them. And when they join your cause, they can become your, your playable character. Oh, that's a nice mechanic. So you can play, literally play an old lady, a kid, anybody in the entire world can become the main character, and they all have a story, a story mission, story missions. That's yeah, that's kind of a cool new twist. Yeah, it's I don't know that the game will be awesome, but I'm super interested to see how well this actually works. That seems super ambitious for them all to have yeah, for every some kind NPC of story to play in through. The game to have a backstory and playable missions. Yeah, that's that's really I'm, aggressive. There has to be a ton of recycled story beats that they are somehow meshing together yeah or they've got some kind of uh they've got some kind of procedural mission generator that once you recruit somebody it just kind of automatically generates their backstory based off of a a procedure they did say that it's not really surfaced so much i guess but they have kind of given every character classes so there's like a hacker class and a brawler class and a a stealth class so the npcs are kind of you kind of figured out by looking at them what who they are and their play style will do that. So they're not all going to be unique to play as, as far as mechanically. Right. But there will be but there will be some differences between them. So I, I think that's an interesting thing to add to the game that I we've never seen anything like before. So Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm actually kind of interested in it now. I I've never played the Watchdog series. It just didn't compel me. It didn't bring me in. It wasn't it wasn't anything new that I hadn't seen and it didn't seem like something that I wanted to to jump into, but this has actually got my interest. Yeah, it just seems super novel. I, I could see this falling apart. Honestly, I could see this seems ambitious enough to fail hard, but yeah. uh, But I'm curious. I'd love to see how it works. So how was Chaos Bane? <sighs> Man, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't get too excited. So, so I played Warhammer Chaos Bane, and... So it's developed by Echo Software. It was published by Big Ben and Games Workshop. Uh, it's on PC, Xbox, and PS4, and it's a very Diablo-esque action RPG, but it is definitely missing the polish of Blizzard. Um, Most which, Diablo clones are. Yes, and in, in a lot of ways that I found to be problematic. So the story it takes place you know, in the, in the fantasy world of warhammer it is not a 40k game it's a elves and dwarves and such uh it's in the year 2301 it's after this big evasion and azavar cole 
and his forces kind of sack the main city that you're playing in. Uh, the the emperor at the time basically gives up. A hero named Magnus shows up and he fights back the hordes, kills Cole in single combat. Uh, you come in shortly after this, after Cole, after Magnus has been made emperor, and you find him being attacked in his chambers, and he's kind of held captive by this dark magic spell. And they kind of, for a second, make it look like they're going to blame you and have this, like, I start as a prisoner kind of story. But then they just kind of drop that all together and just send you out to figure out how to save him, uh, which felt like they were pointing real hard in one direction with the story and then took a real hard right turn. It was jarring. So the stories are... So there's a main overarching story for the game and then a character-specific story for each class. Now, I played through the first chapter in every class and a little bit further than that with the Slayer, which is the Dwarf class. And we'll talk about why I did that here in a second. <laughs> um, the environments do look great. The cutscenes look pretty cool. They're very stylized and like a a... Sort of reminiscent to me, actually, uh, Total uh, Total War Three Kingdoms there, where it is like watercolor paintings, but it's like black on parchment, and uh-huh. they're like moving moving watercolors, uh, which was pretty cool. It was it was it seemed like maybe it was a way to save some money, but it also looked pretty cool. Uh, the voice acting was above average for most of the cutscenes and the narration, but there are some voice acting in game when you are playing and your guy is shouting out that are it's bad. Like, but it's, it's sparse. It, it's not the acting in the story parts is good enough to not really care about the stuff. That's have you played a just, lot of Warhammer or War, Warhammer 40 K games before? I've played more of Warhammer in this area than I have the 40 K stuff. Okay. But you are familiar with some of their other games. And I mean, so the, the watercolor cutscenes they've used in several other of their other games. Yeah. In fact, um, yeah. Uh, Warhammer, uh, Total War Warhammer uses it. Um, Armada uses it. Uh, yeah, several. Of the, so I think that's kind of a, a Warhammer aesthetic. Uh, the yeah, voice I acting it, is though. always over the top. I mean, uh, the humans just yell all the time. The the elves See, seem very a condescending. Lot of the, a lot of the story stuff was like the cutscene voice acting and the narration was surprisingly in check. I was expecting it to be worse. Really? Yeah. It's it's the it was the environmental voice acting when you're playing and you kill a guy, you know, just background noise while you're playing. That was way over the top. The guy's <laughs> just shouting constantly at people while you're playing. Right. It, but the the story stuff was actually much better than I expected. Um music was drums and horns with tons of chanting. I know. Like, yeah. So I watched some of the gameplay and the score in this game reminds me a lot of a Chris Nolan film. It's just drums and baritones and yeah. very ominous. Yeah. It, it's totally actually, I, I kind of don't mind it as just ignorable background music. I'm glad it wasn't bad. It wasn't offensive. It was just there. It was totally easy to look behind, look past. Um, mechanics, man, and there's a lot of this. This is where things kind of fall apart for me. <laughs> <laughs> so you can play a controller or keyboard. But when you play with a keyboard, some of the skills are difficult to use. And when you play with a controller, it con- it wants you to use the keyboard for player one because this can do multiplayer uh, co-op on one machine. It wants you to use the keyboard as player one. 
So if you connect a controller, every time you push an input, a little icon pops up that says press start to choose character like it wants you to choose player two. Oh, no. And if you accidentally press start or need to press start for like one of the in-game functions that there are attached to start, it just joins you another character from the game. <laughs> and then you have two on screen, both being controlled to player one controller. Boo. I'm sure they'll fix that at some point, I would like to think, but it is awful. It's just this constant press start to join, press start to join every time you push an input, including a joystick. And there's no way that you can force your character to just use a controller or just tell it, I'm using a controller, stop. No, no, I've, I've already told it I'm using the controller. It's still doing it. That's odd. Yeah, it's it. There's definitely a bug here somewhere involved that needs to be fixed. But it was annoying. Uh, I ended up playing with the mouse and keyboard because I could not handle the constant prompts on screen. They eventually got to the point that I just I was getting angry with them. So onto the keyboard I went. Uh, there's a ton of skill styles. You have passive skills, basic skills, advanced skills, merchant guild skills, and god skills. Uh, and passive skills are what they sound like. They are skills that are in effect all the time. Your basic skills generate energy. Advanced skills use energy. Merchant guild skills use energy and are got you get them from turning in, from donating items you find to the merchant's guild and leveling up. And as you level up in the merchant's guild, they give you new skills. And they are pretty good overall. They're better than your regular advanced skills. And god skills you use favors that you find to acquire on this giant god skills skill tree and they are all like extra powerful way too powerful actually they're the only two skills i use on my skill bar because they read their cooldowns are really fast and they do way more damage than i have so i just spam those two buttons all the time (laughs) on every character and it takes care of things for me uh skill level advancement is there's a limited number of skills and then you get tiers of that skill so you have like your main attack, and then your main attack two, and then your main attack three, like leveled up. And it's the same attack, it just does more damage. And instead of having like a variety of, a large variety of attacks and whatnot, there's kind of two or three attacks per person, and you just make those better and choose the one you want to use. Uh, I felt like there was... And there's no difference really in the ability. It's not like in Diablo where you level up your attacks with runes that give the attack a different um, effect and make it cold damage or make it fire damage or make it a mage instead of an archer or whatever. It's just the exact same ability but stronger. So there's like no variation there. Um, And that's how it progresses for all the skills. You just move up. And the skills each cost points to equip. Now, you have a bank of skill points that you use as currency, sort of, to purchase your loadouts. And each skill costs a certain amount of points in order to equip it. And you get skill points by leveling up, or even from some missions, you get a skill point. Uh, They're not consumable. So if you have 40 skill points and you equip a a skill with that takes 10 to equip, when you unequip it, you get those 10 back. But it it limits you as to what skills you can uh, equip so you can't just equip the highest tier you have of everything. You have to choose like which two, usually abilities you want to use the high tier on, and use the the crappier version of everything else. Well, at least it of. gives you options though. So if 
you hit yeah. a level where you need to kind of reload your configuration. Right. So it does. It gives you... Uh, I, I would have just liked to have been able to use the things I've unlocked, though, instead of having to choose which unlocked things that I've got that... Because uh, you unlock the skills from leveling up, and then once they're leveled up and you've got the skills, you have to then pay the currency to use them. So you've already done all the unlocking before you can use the currency, and then you use the currency for equipping. So I would have just preferred to have been able to use all the things that are the level that I'm at. Right. Uh, instead of having to choose where I have power, which ultimately is why I end up using the god skills so much, because they're so much better than, especially if you have to go down a tier and in a skill to make room for something else. The tiered, the tiered down skills don't do enough damage in most situations to to be effective. There's too big of a jump in between them. So That's odd you end that up with they like, would do that so early in the game. You would think that eventually the god skills would be your go-to oh, later I, on I in know. the levels. Because I remember in Diablo, the, the lower you got down closer uh, to, to hell, that the the enemies just got impossibly hard and you had to equip up and skill up to get through them. Right. Yeah, no, it just almost immediately you get two abilities that make you really take care of things. And I was playing on, not on the hardest, but on very hard. And it was really a breeze. It wasn't fast moving, but it was a breeze. It was not. Now, I say that. I was playing on very hard at first. And then... So I started with the Wood Elf Scout. And here we'll get into why I played with all of them. I played through the first chapter with the Wood Elf Scout, and I was mind-numbingly bored. <laughs> it was... I was like, man, this game is bad. Uh, the abilities were all... Every ability it has is crowd control. There's no like decent single-target damage, and all you do is run around, gather a crowd, crowd control them, while running in circles until they die and then move on to the next crowd. And I could not find a way to equip my character to do better than that. So I went to easy and tried the high elf mage. Same thing. It's all crowd control. It's not very, it's not great. Uh, I played as the Imperial soldier next on easy and it's boring melee Hack and slash. Now, it was much better than the Wood Elf Scout and the Mage, which I felt were like just not made to play if you're not playing with friends. I felt like the Wood Elf Scout and the Mage were designed only to be playing in groups. They did not do well as the sole character on screen. Could they just not hold their own, or it's just not your preferred play style? No, I don't think that they, they couldn't hold their own. You you had to you had to like run, turn around, and fire into the crowd. And then run out of out of energy and kind of do the same thing over and over again because they were there's all of their damage is like area of effect damage or or multi target damage. They have no decent single target damage, at least not down low. Maybe when you level them up more, but um, they don't feel equipped to handle the um, the size of the mobs that are sent to you by themselves. But I mean that kind of makes sense for their class. They're not a. They're right, not going to be is, an up up front in your face kind of fighter. Right, but this is a game that's not. It's not multiplayer first. I mean, it puts you it, when you boot the game. It puts you right into single player, and if half the classes are not designed to be played single player, you've got a problem. I can play Diablo single player with any one of the classes, 
Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, they're just not good. The human, the human, the Imperial soldier, he can handle it fine, but he's very much so slow methodical, sword and shield, block slash, block slash. His abilities are, are all uh, slow, heavy attacks. Right. Lots of damage, but slow attacks. It works very well. It's much better than the, for single player, than the mage and the scout were. Uh, but also very self-serious. Now, up until now, all the the character classes seem very serious. Their attitudes are very serious. Their equipment is all um, covered in in uh, flavor text and seems very uh, serious. Like it's the whole game is taking itself very seriously up until now. There's like no snark in the story, anything. It's all this is a serious fantasy story. Then you get into the Slayer. The dwarf has a constant sense of humor. He's like he's like dual wielding axes, fast attack speed. It's much more fun to blow through guys, you know, like whirlwind and stuff. But like his equipables, like his armor is tattoos and his helmet is a beard. You equip new beards yeah, to get better. But that that's the yeah. that's the Slayer yeah. character. So Slayers right. in in uh Warhammer are basically the dwarven elite warriors. They're they they right. don't wear armor, they don't wear boots. Um Everything is. They, I mean, they they basically wield axes and they they mow through things, right? And I'm not I'm not arguing that. I'm just the whole rest of this game. Even the characters all seem stone straight. There's there's not a joke to be had. Even in the flavor text, like even the flavor dialogue while you're killing guys, and the Slayer is just nonstop. Everything about him is snarky the whole time and that is that is warhammer to a t i mean that's that's yeah um, <laughs> way way into the slayer the slayer the slayer saved this game and that's where my that's why i'm bringing it up this game is dull it's a dull game like they, they really missed on some of the look and feel um mechanically that i think they need i think this game would be saved by a huge rebalance of the skills because you're kind of forced to use the same couple of skills all the time because the rest of them are not balanced very well. They're very... If you can't use the highest tier of that skill, it doesn't do enough damage to do anything. And when you equip a high tier of a skill, it forces you to not use the rest of the skills. Maybe if you played the whole thing on very easy or something and you could use whatever skill you wanted, it would be more fun. You could just willy-nilly play however you wanted and blow through. But when once you get into normal or hard or very hard... You have to use your most powerful skills to kill anybody. Otherwise, it is just the, the the mobs are just damage sponges and you don't get anywhere. And the way the skill system works, you can really only equip one, maybe two high tier skills, depending on where you are in the skill progression. So it kind of means you have to only use one attack the whole time. Right. But besides the god tier skills, which do way too much damage... And then because they're so overpowered and the rest of your abilities can't keep up, you kind of end up just using your one or two god tier abilities all the time just to just to blow through. Because otherwise you're just watching a health bar not do anything while you attack endlessly. Hmm. Uh, I think this I think this game suffers horribly from balance issues. Interesting. Yeah, that that seems really odd that the skills would be that unbalanced. Um the Enemy difficulties also seem to have some balance issues. Uh, even when you're playing in easy or normal, uh, it's a, it's particularly bad when you are in the harder difficulties, but it's noticeable in any difficulty. 
the the mobs that the regular just fill the room all the time enemies are relatively easy especially when you're using your higher tier ability you kind of mow through them um there's just a ton of them that's kind of how they balance it instead of giving you five guys that are hard they give you like 80 guys that you can mow down uh which still overwhelm you if you're not killing them fast enough but but that seems diablo like i mean that that it, seems that, like so this is but this is where the inconsistency comes so you're mowing through these giant mobs of guys, and then one guy, and I'm not talking a boss, I'm talking like what would be the equivalent of a champion, like a blue tier enemy in Diablo, one slightly better guy, where they put these uh, floating icons over them with their with their alliance emblem on it. You know, if it's depending if you're fighting against the thieves or whatever you're fighting against right. at the time, they put a little floating emblem on them. They're not bosses. They're not like in a boss zone, but like one of those guys comes up and they take five or 10 minutes to kill. Huh. The bosses are, the bosses are way hard, way harder than that. They, the bosses can take full damage for 20 minutes before you kill them. Jeez, 20 I, minutes. Yes. I, the, the, the boss for the end of, on very hard, the boss for the end of the first chapter took me about 40 minutes to kill total. I died once and had to start over. And it was just a damage sponge. I was just sinking the, the God tier abilities into him as fast as they were uh, renewing cooldown. And his health bar, his actually his five health bars were just barely moving. Five health bars. <laughs> yeah, you had to drain his health bar five times. It was, it's, there's like the... The steps up in difficulty for named enemies seem gargantuan. It's just like the whole thing. Everything in this comes back to balance. All the problems with this game come to balance. Uh, visually, it's it's great. the 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 mood of the game feels good. the The story even seems pretty reasonable. I mean, it's it's Warhammer, so it's a little up its own butt, like Warhammer gets. <laughs> but it's it it's a good story. Otherwise, it's it's not written poorly. The voice acting is not is is actually way better than I was expecting from what I've experienced. I do have in Warhammer. Like a lot of this stuff lines up, and I think, man, this game is going to be good. Uh, and then mechanically, the balance issues and some of the bugs just really hit this game hard. So it looks I would great. Love to see it them. sounds great. It just doesn't play great. No, it feels if a lot of the feel of this game is bad. Uh, and it's all stuff I think could be fixed with a relatively small patch, and I would love to see that happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Well, what rating would you give it? In its current condition, man, I'm I'm gonna say like a six. Six seems fair for where it's at right now. Yeah, six isn't too bad. No, like I said, like it's. I think where this game would be good for people who wanted to play this kind of game because I love these kind of action RPG games you know diablo is one of my favorite games of all time i know that's a high bar to go for uh but a game like this in this in its current condition even you throw this thing on very easy and you just mow through guys while you're listening to a podcast or some music (laughs) or something it's a it's a total it's a total time sink as it is it's fun when you are on the easiest of difficulties and you have no risk of dying and you are just kind of mowing through guys it looks cool. It's fine. This game could be so much better with a decent patch. 
So if you're a Warhammer fan, definitely pick it up, but otherwise maybe pass. Or at least until Warhammer, they get it rebalanced. Yeah. If you're a Warhammer fan and the, the problems I've mentioned don't scare you off. If you're fine blowing through this game on very easy just to see what it has to tell you, the story it has to tell, and the, the visuals it has. Because there are some great visuals in this. Um, if those are the things that bring you to this and you are fine with tolerating the gameplay itself totally grab it uh, maybe wait until it's on sale before you do that but um otherwise totally grab it if you if the gameplay stuff when i think it should i think the gameplay stuff should scare you off a little bit i would wait until you see that it's it's patched or fixed if they do you know i i wouldn't i wouldn't recommend this to anybody at full price if gameplay is important fair enough well, I think that's kind of all I've got on that. I mean, there was a couple of things that I ran past, uh, but they're not important. You know, we got to the things that are that were the big the big hit points on this. I I am gonna keep an eye on it, and if you know if they do patch it and it does come back better, I'll I'll, I'll at least say something. I don't know that I'll re-rate it, but I'll I'll say something about it. So if anybody out there listening cares about whether this game gets better or not, I'll let you know. But and that's kind of where we ended up with. Total War too. You had a couple yeah, of patches. Total War, Three Kingdoms. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of all I got, Jason. You got anything you want to tell the listeners before we go? I uh, no. I think that's about it. Um, go check out Satis. Uh, go check out uh, the film appraisers. When your when's your next episode coming out? We we are a couple weeks past having the. Episode four, the Willy Wonka episode come out, and we are just a couple of weeks, actually, I think maybe like a week and a half away from an episode with somebody you guys will all know, our friend Jason. I believe you are up next. Is that right? I believe you're up next. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure you're up next. Oh, there better not be any more shenanigans. <laughs> I, you took those shenanigans so hard last time. <laughs> well, I mean... I saw it. I saw the the film appraisers come up on my podcast list, and I'm like, woohoo! I get to I get to be on the film appraisers, and then uh, somebody with a, a, a much better look and sound than me was on there, and so I, I got a little jealous. <laughs> oh, well, I promise you still get to be on the film appraisers, just not in the order you thought. <laughs> okay, I'll handle that. If I'm next, I'm 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 good. All right. On that note, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, have a great week. Again, once more, we are sorry we missed last week. We will try not to do that again. Hopefully, we have no more catastrophic hardware failures. Yeah, things uh, happen. And, and things should be back to normal from now on. So have a great week. Until then, I'm Joe. I'm Jason. We'll see you later, guys. Bad Gamers Anonymous is not affiliated with any video game developer or publisher. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of the host, and they're probably terrible. Executive producer for Bad Gamers Anonymous is James Gee. Get good, scrubs.